My agent called, he said he got some interest in my strip I'm glad I didn't tell him that I never finished it I got my cast of characters and outline for the plot I even got a famous classic case of writer's block Get it out of my head 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 Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Welcome to On the Page. This is the podcast that answers all of your questions about the craft and business of screenwriting. My name is Pilar Alessandra, and I'm the instructor and script consultant here at On the Page. And today, I am working off of my Apple iPhone because I can't get the damn board to work. But it doesn't matter because we have some quality guests here. Let me welcome John Fitzgerald. Hello, John. Hello, hello. And Alan Jenkins. Hello. Hey there. And they all—they both have such booming, authoritarian, authoritative <laughs> voices that that this should work. Um, let me tell you a little bit about John and Alan. Be prepared to feel like you've done nothing at all with your life when I read you their bios. Here we go. John Fitzgerald. He is the author of Filmmaking for Change, which is in its second edition, and we are going to talk about. But he also directed his first film in 1994. He co-founded the Slamdance Film Festival in 1995 and was the executive director for the next two years before becoming the festival director at the American Film Institute Santa Barbara and Naples International Film Festivals. Oh, wait, wait. You were festival director at AFI, and at Santa Barbara, and at Naples International Film Festival. Is that right? Yep. Oh, Different man. times, but wow. spaces. Me and my commas. Uh, through Cause Pictures, he produced and directed a handful of documentaries before launching CauseCinema.com as a guide to the best in social impact films. Welcome, John. Thank you, thank you. And Alan Jenkins. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, Alan. All right, ready? Alan Jenkins is president and co-founder of the Opportunity Agenda, a social justice communication lab. Before joining the Opportunity Agenda, Alan was director of human rights at the Ford Foundation. His prior positions include assistant to the Solicitor General at the U.S. Department of Justice and associate counsel to the NAACP Legal Defense and Educational Fund. But wait, there's more. <laughs> Alan's other positions have included lecturer on law at Harvard Law School, law clerk to U.S. Supreme Court Justice Harry A. Blackman, and more. There's more, but I'm not even going to go into it. Thank you. Um, it. But, wait, no, but there's, there's some <laughs> sexy stuff, too, so I'm going to mention the sexy stuff, okay? okay. Um, he is a frequent commentator on MSNBC, CNN, the New York Times, and the Huffington Post, and he's the publisher of the social justice superhero comic book, Helvetica Bold. He's also written two animation screenplays for Fox Animation in all of his spare time. <laughs> Thank you, Alan, for Thank being you. here. Thank you. It's great to be here. Oh, so you could probably imagine from these bios that, that one thing that we're going to be addressing today has to do with storytelling and filmmaking for change. Because both of you, in very different ways, have taken on this subject. And as we go into 2018, and uh, we're coming out of a very divisive year, maybe we go into this next year doing something about it instead of talking about it. And that means... That's the idea. That means, yeah, that means getting, getting the change out that you want to change. Not a specific kind of change, not our agenda, your agenda. So... Um, Tell me a 
little bit from, from both of you why you feel like filmmaking, hmm. TV, uh, even pop, pop culture, why this is such a forum for change in the world. Well, I'll just give you a quick soundbite that I think will we'll sum this up from where I sit, and I'm sure Alan's got some more eloquent ideas. But I think that, you know, when I first started this this concept of, of cause cinema, it, it kind of rang true that film, TV, and, and media is really the, the single most powerful form of mass communication. I don't think that's really debatable. I mean, media and technology are, are making it easier for filmmakers to get behind the camera, and with platforms like Netflix and Amazon, there's a lot more for people to see. So I think if we can take these tools, which are clearly mass communication tools, and get them out into the world and help people leverage this power of film and media to create change, then we can actually see something happen. But I think that the most important thing that I wanted to introduce with, with the cause cinema concept was... What do people do after they see one of these movies? Where do they go? And so what I'm trying to do is give them that, that pipeline, that platform. So you like this movie, you want to do something about it, you want to make a donation, you want to get involved, here's where you go to take action. And, you know, I actually come at it from a very similar place. So I'm a you know, recovering constitutional litigator, as you mentioned, and civil rights lawyer. But I saw in our work to expand opportunity that... Uh, and we were not taking communications and culture seriously as change strategies. And that's how people form new ideas, how they understand how the world is, but also how the world could be. Uh, and creatives and storytellers, I think, are much more powerful at doing that. They have increasingly much greater influence than you know, advocates or policymakers or certainly politicians. Uh, and so, you know, as somebody who both loves media and creativity, but also is you know, a, a, a change maker, I co-founded the Opportunity Agenda because I really thought we needed to invest in moving hearts and minds as well as policy and doing that through creative means. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, you know, we were, one of the things that we do is work with creatives uh, to tell stories that make a difference and that help to, to move people's understanding. And we work across arts disciplines. So filmmakers, documentary filmmakers, narrative storytellers, spoken word, lots and lots of athletes increasingly now with the Take a Knee movement. Uh, and in a couple of ways. So one is how can we inform their storytelling? So you know, we're not trying to change the way people do their creative work. I think it would only ruin it uh, to have a, a bunch of outside folks telling people how to create. But we do want them to know the impact and the power of their storytelling and what stories we know from lots of experience and research will move folks towards greater inclusion and embracing human rights and opportunity and which stories tend to close people down uh, and, and cause them to be fearful of, of other people in their world. Yeah, you actually did a couple of studies um, in order to see what was what was perhaps working and and definitely what was lacking, so that you could figure out how to gear that storytelling. What what did what studies did you do, and what did you find out? Yeah. So, and uh, you know, your listeners can find it on our website, which is opportunityagenda.org, and the the report is called Power of Pop. So we looked at television programming in 2014, 15, and 16 broadcast, streaming, uh, network, but all uh, narrative television. Uh, really to understand in this particular instance, how are immigrants depicted? How is immigration treated in these stories? What kind of, of representation do Im 
immigrants have. And the, you know, really for us, television, and you know, we, we often say we're in a golden age of television, but not everybody knows what that means. You know, I think- <laughs> That's to, a pretty general- I, Exactly, you hear that all the time. But I think, you know, at least to me, um, TV is, you know, it entertains in a way that's very personal and intimate, uh, more so than probably, uh, you know, movies. I, it's there to make money, but it, it also, as a whole, is supposed to tell us about our hopes and dreams and aspirations and fears as a people. And so every show, every episode is not supposed to carry all that weight. But as a totality, we hope that it's really going to tell us about ourselves and paint a somewhat diverse and nuanced picture. Uh, but what we found in this report is that, in fact, immigrants are not only underrepresented in television, so you see a lot less of them than you know, the, their representation in the country, but there's really skewed depiction. So, you know, just to pick one, one statistic, we found that there is an overrepresentation of immigrants in stories about crime and criminality. Uh, and particularly, what a shock. shocking, isn't it? <laughs> for, and, and Pilar, for, for Latino immigrants, 50% of them on television are depicted as involved in crime. God. And wow. this is despite the fact that we know statistically that immigrants are less likely to commit crimes than those of us who are citizens. Uh, but whether or not that's true, imagine if you were in a place where you don't encounter a lot of immigrants. And so the, the places where you're learning about who immigrants are in our society is on television. As well, or in, it's at least one of the main places. And so if again and again and again you're seeing these stories of criminality, of difference, of people who don't share your values, it's going to begin to skew your views over time. So one of the reasons why we did this study was to really understand those depictions, but also to give creatives a way to tell some new stories that maybe are more consistent with their own values. But also it's, it's, it's an opportunity for a creative because all we're looking for is originality. So if you're constantly dipping into the same biased well, right? Mm -hmm. If if the first thing that comes to mind when you see a criminal in your head is brown skin, turn around and and rethink that because now you're being imaginative. People want originality and imagination. So it, it's it's good that you go, here are the patterns, because then people can immediately break those patterns, even if they've got that, that bias in their head and don't, and don't even realize it. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think it, it also, we know it makes for bad TV. Yeah. Right? When you're, you're simply regurgitating the same old storylines. And we also know it's bad for the bottom line. There's a lot of research, there's a recent UCLA study, showing that you know audiences crave greater diversity. And in fact, diverse casts and storylines are producing more revenue at the box office office than the kind of usual fare. So it's actually in all of our interests. Yeah, we have a more, di more diverse audience base, and it's only going to get more diverse. So it's really, you know, thinking about your listeners and your students, it's really in their interest to try to tap some of those new stories. So, so John, if somebody decides, you know what, I've got a message and I want to tell the world. And yes, we start by doing sort of in the process of that narrative, we're going to make different choices than we've normally seen. But let's say somebody's beginning this narrative and they have at least a story that they want to tell to help change the world. One thing that your book does, well, it does many things, is it takes you from development through distribution mm -hmm. with the steps of how you would do that. What's the first thing, let's say we're in the development part of it, that somebody goes, I got a message. And I and I want it out there, and I'm going to I'm going to flip the script in the process using uh, some of the things that Alan has talked about. What do they do first? 
Well, I think I think you have to always go back to your primary goal. I think it's one thing to have an issue and want to create change, but it's another to have a goal for that specific project mm -hmm. because whether you're spending $50,000 or $5 million, some of these movies can be made on a credit card, but you take a movie like Racing Extinction. I mean, that costs in seven figures, I believe. It's an amazing movie with an amazing website. He's the filmmaker that gave us The Cove, and he's got some really interesting toolkits and challenges that he creates to try and engage audiences to take action after seeing the film. But they knew when they were developing that, that idea what the end game was going to be. They wanted to create a movement around it. And I think that what happens is a lot of independent filmmakers have an idea for, an, for a story, but they're not necessarily sure what they want to do with it. They want to play Sundance. They want to sell it to Netflix. They, they have these grand dreams, but there's only a small percentage of movies that are getting made that are going to have those two successes. So I think the first thing is, what is your goal? And is it realistic? And then... And then one of the reasons why uh, I created Filmmaking for Change is, you know, to your point about helping these storytellers share stories that people want to see, what we started seeing was a trend that some of the documentaries were made with a more narrative structure. And, and we've been telling stories since, you know, around the campfire for thousands of years, right? So, but there's a beginning, middle, and an end. And you know this from your story structure courses, I'm sure. So what we tried to do is say you can take an issue-based movie that has a message, but you can actually tell it with a narrative structure, with a hero's journey, for example. Mm -hmm. and, and that makes the audiences engage more, studies show, right, that they want to see this kind of a story. And it can actually have a greater impact. So, so what we say is you have an issue, let's take that issue and put it on the dry erase board and think about who are our heroes, who are our experts, who are our mentors, where's the call to action, where's the crossing the threshold, you know, to use the 12 stages of the journey. So I think it's about taking that issue and then building it out into a story. And then you go and shoot it. And if it's a documentary, you might end up with some things you didn't know you were going to end up with. And you go back to the, to the drawing board and you say, okay, now, now how do we put this together? But at the end of the day, it doesn't do anybody any good if audiences aren't engaged. Think but of it as entertainment for change. They have to be entertained. Yeah. If they're entertained and engaged, then they could be inspired to take action. And so you're talking about ways to make documentaries more entertaining, but also... Uh, it works for narratives right, too, by the way. Right, so if you're looking at a narrative, a Think fictional a narrative, bag. right, and you're saying this person represents the conflict of, let's say, Ellen, uh, an immigrant, okay? Mm -hmm. Today's immigrant, an immigrant that would come to the United States now and not, you know, a European, Irish, yep. that, like turn of that century kind of, kind of experience, right? Um, then who would represent it? What would be the challenges that you would face? As you mentioned with Hero's Journey, you know, as you're crossing the th threshold and all those mm -hmm. kinds of things. Is that one of them crossing the threshold, or is that just when you get married? I don't know. There's a great uh, documentary that came out called Documented about uh -huh. the whole immigrant mm, crisis. Yeah. He was on the cover of Time magazine. Uh, Jose Antonio Vargas, yeah. yeah. So you talk about the hero's journey. I mean, 
Yeah. He had the journey. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you think, you know, in, in narrative television, you think about uh, Master of None, for example. I don't know if you all saw the um, New York I Love You episode. No, I didn't. Is that was the second season? Yeah, this was second I, season. I haven't watched the second season yet. Um, I'm sorry. Genius. <laughs> you know, it's been described as, you know, the kind of movie that, that uh, Love Letter to New York that Woody Allen would make, except there are people of color in it. What? <laughs> and, and, you know, but it's told what, what um, Ansari does is he pivots from one character's perspective to another. So there's a cab driver, there's a store owner, there's a woman who works at a store who's uh, deaf, and that part of the segment is told entirely in silence, and in, in sign language. But that the empathy for these different characters, they're characters who you, you never see their actual perspective in other media. You know, they're almost always the extra or the comic relief, but he actually makes them the heroes of their own story. And I think it's something that, you know, he brings that perspective of having frequently been an outsider, but it makes for fantastic television. A lot of critics have said it's one of the, you know, the best segments of television that they've seen in a decade. Oh, really? And yeah, and, and, you know, only in in part because it's just great storytelling, as you said, John, it's entertaining, but also it's a perspective that we just haven't seen before. Mm -hmm. So which particular episode is this again? So I can go right to that episode. Yeah, this is called New York. I love you. New York. I love you. Second season. I think it's maybe the third or fourth episode, but it's very easy to find because a lot of people are talking about it. Excellent. Excellent. And, and again, it's like everybody looks at it and they go, wow, that's different. Wow. That's new. And actually Mm -hmm. it's well, that's real life. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> well, that's oh, the people thing. who Is actually people, live, yeah. I, I had some, some testimonials um, when, I, when I talked about uh, filmmaking for change, and one of the common themes was people are excited to go and see stories that are about the world around them. And it's kind of a flip if you think about it, mm-hmm. because we were all watching movies and watching TV that weren't really thinking that way structurally, or from a socio-economic level, but I think w- when when there's a lot of strife in the world and a lot of drama, and you think about the politics, you think about the fires, you know, about all these things that are going on in the world right now, it, people are feeling kind of angry or detached or whatever. The, and and these stories about real people dealing with real situations have become in vogue. And it's mm-hmm. not something that happened intentionally, but I think it's happened, and people are saying, "Oh, wait a minute, maybe that's why." And, and, and I think the timing is everything. And what, what you guys are saying, and, and uh, you know, we're talking about something very simple, just like you said, real stories about real people. It's not to be confused with a strident hmm. kind of um, hit you over the head, message heavy, bad storytelling project. And I think that that's where people think, oh gosh, no, I'm not going to see something that teaches me. A lesson. Well, no. If if the trailer implies it's teaching you a lesson, then the trailer's not doing its job. It's it needs to be something where you can change a mind by just reflecting an an experience, right? Yeah. Well, you see, you could see some of the movies that were doing the festival circuit this year. You think of something like Dina, which was about uh, at the end of the day, it was a romance movie about this amazing relationship between two people that had some mental challenges, to say the least. Um, this movie was a documentary, but it feels like a narrative. There's a beginning and a middle and an end, and these two characters trying to figure out how to coexist, and they're dealing with mental challenges. And then you take other movies that are also documentaries, but that are dealing with real people, but in extraordinary situations, and you can't help but be engaged by these people and these stories. And then you, and then you wake up and realize, wait a minute, 
that shows that people that do have some issues and challenges can achieve this. You know what I mean? So there is an inspirational piece that goes along with it. I think that, sorry, yeah. oh, go ahead. I was just going to say that you can do this with genre as well. Mm -hmm. And you, Alan, have looked at genre too. I and mean, you seem to be a genre fan. You like sci-fi. You like comic books. I do. And you, you have been, been looking at, you know, at social change through the lens of superheroes as well. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, we have. And, you know, one important thing to think about is metaphor, right? So part of the ways that, so the first thing, just kind of pivoting off what you said originally is we're almost always sending a message. The question is, are we conscious of the message that we're sending, right? So if, yeah, you know, direct is. right. If you, if you make the, you know, the 1000th story about, you know, Muslim immigrant terrorists, you're telling a story and sending a message, whether you intend to or not. But you know, to your your uh, point, Pilar, um, metaphor matters. So you think about Superman, right? Superman's an immigrant. He comes. He's he's actually a refugee. He leaves his planet, his dying planet, right before it explodes. He comes to a new place. Now he happens to you know have superpowers, luckily, right? And he decides to devote those powers to making you know his new land a better place. It's really an immigrant story. It was told by you know the creators of Superman were second generation immigrants, and you see that play out over and over again. Comic books tend to be a place where you because it's it's somewhat removed from the day to day. They're a place to tell that story. You think about the X Men. Right, the X Men are really metaphoric for people who are outsiders, mm -hmm. and they're struggling with: Do we want to be part of this society, even though it hates us, or do we think about the villains in in X Men, Magneto, and others, or do we want to decide? You know what? You're trying to kill us. We're going to do the same. Where do they fit? And so the X Men, as heroes, are constantly trying to fit in and trying to show the world through good deeds that they belong. And you know, so much of that is what we're seeing today with the immigrant struggle. You think about the dreamers, you know, who are saying, "Look, we're we're you know, college students. We're contributing to the social fabric and and the economy, uh, and yet we're being talked about as if we were you know trying to tear the the country apart." Um, they're trying to decide themselves: How do we both? You know, live our lives and you know be the heroes of our own story, but also show that in fact we're part of the country's future. So a, a lot of times, those kinds of stories you can actually convey um, an important message and narrative in a way that doesn't feel as as heavy-handed. You know, what, a, a, another example would be: you think about um, you know Game of Thrones or uh, The Walking Dead, mm -hmm. both of which I love. But both of which have baked into them this idea that we should fear outsiders, that we need to defend ourselves, we might need to build a wall. And you think about Game of Thrones and how they're, you know, they're literally, you know, have, are defending a wall. Uh, and, you know, part of that is a narrative about the barbarians at the gate and the idea that people are trying to come in to hurt us. I think by contrast, I don't know, I know you don't like superhero movies, but I, I don't uh, No, it's not that I don't like them, it's just... I might be a little tired of them. All right, but. fair <laughs> enough. But did, did you see the new Thor movie? Uh, I'm I'm going to with Thor um, Ragnarok. Ragnarok. Yes, Ragnarok. Rag <laughs> yes. So okay, so no spoilers, okay. but Ragnarok is in some ways a film about refugees and immigrants and people who have to leave their land and go to a difficult place and survive and you know migrate to a new place right this this theme that you hear in in uh, that in this particular film that um, actually our country is us not the land that we happen to be on those are also important ways of telling these stories and it's you know it's not heavy-handed a lot of people will watch it and not 
even get that message. But actually, when you know people are fleeing harm in Central America and Syria, often young kids, and trying to come to the United States, and you see you know the people fleeing Asgard and trying to find a new place for safety, that's one in, in, in a very specific genre. That's actually one way of conveying what our values should be as a country. Can I tell you my favorite franchise that does this, which yeah. is a genre franchise? Uh, Planet of the Apes. Absolutely. And it did it so well the first time, mm -hmm. and it's done it great in the reboot, I would say with the exception of the very last one, but I won't nitpick. Yeah, and, but <laughs> and the very first one, but that second one, I'm, I'm with you, yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I mean, you know, so so it's attacked issues of, of what what begets war, right? right? Um, it's attacked racial issues. It's um, every, and it's always reflective of whatever is the most heightened issue at the time, and it always was, yep. even going back to the, the earlier ones. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it would be great to just teach kids, you know, about certain um, movements yeah. or, uh, you know, how we're polarized in this world only through Planet of the Apes movies. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. I, I would be all for that. Yeah. yeah? I, I, my, my head is churning as I'm listening to you guys talk about the, the parallels with the superheroes in the real world. I mean, there's... Talk about a great story, a great <laughs> blog. Now, when, in your book, when you get to the distribution section of it, now you've done a second edition here, I would assume because when you started this in 2012, the distribution is, was so different than how you could distribute your project now to get your message across to the greatest amount of people. Did you, was, was there a big change in, in that section of your book? There, there was definitely some updates, as you said. There's, there's a lot of new players in the space. There's a lot, a lot of new platforms for audiences uh, to find films, and a lot more filmmakers are, are picking up a camera and making movies now, so they gotta find a home. Uh, I think perhaps the biggest change to that distribution section is what I call activation and it's really where you take this idea around the movie and you and you kind of put it up on a shelf here and you, and you kind of break it down into where can there be a toolkit where can there mm -hmm. be a curriculum where can I preach to the choir and where can I convert like mm -hmm. how do I how do I take this this movie and use it as a tool because as we've discussed, whether you're sitting on your couch in the living room or you're in a theater, if you're influenced by that movie, what are you going to do about it? Are you just going to go to dinner and have your wine and forget about it? Or are you going to take action? Or are you going to do something about it? So I wanted to create a section where people could could do something. And, and a couple of the movies that I've done, we've literally created toolkits and taking these movies into schools and try and engage with these kids and let them know there is empowerment and leadership techniques that you can use. We did a movie called Warrior One where we took these underprivileged kids who had never left the, their town, much less their state of Florida, and took them on a trek in Peru to Machu Picchu. Mm -hmm. It was life-changing, to say the least, for these girls. But what, what, what the, the hero, uh, the, the mentor and hero, uh, wanted, really wanted to do with this was Jill Wheeler. Uh, she has a company called the WellFit Institute. She wanted to take these tools and put them into a kit that would then give context and, and more resources for kids all over the world to use these tools to learn about empowerment and leadership. And, and those are the kinds of things that I don't think happen enough with some of these movies. It's one thing to to talk about all these amazing issue movies, but 
pretty soon we're going to be on to 2018. Well, what about the amazing 2030 movies that were made on issues in 2017? Are we just going to forget about those? Mm -hmm. So it's creating websites, creating challenges, creating toolkits. Is it a petition getting signed? Are we changing legislation? Is it freeing somebody that was wrongfully indicted? You know, there's all these things. So, so that's the biggest change in the book is this section in the distribution part of the book on activation. I know that you have to go, John, because um, we spent a half an hour trying to wrestle with my <laughs> with my technology. And so for you, we're cutting this short. Um, Alan, do you mind sticking around for a couple more minutes? Sure, I can Yeah? Um, so I'm going to say goodbye to you. Sure. But um, before we go, I want to, where can people find out everything about you and also get your book, Filmmaking for Change? Sure. Well, thank you for asking. The, uh, the, the book does have a website, filmmakingforchange.com. So you could start there. There's more information about where you can get the book at, obviously, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Michael Weesey, uh, the publisher, has a, a great discount. Uh, also, um, my home website is causecinema.com, and, and that is where you see people that have put filmmaking to, for change into action. And, and our whole goal is to become a guide to help audiences find these social impact movies because there's, frankly, there's just too many now. Mm -hmm. There's 16,000 on Amazon and 5,000 on Netflix or whatever the numbers are this week. It's too hard to, to, to decide which of these movies in the carousels are worth seeing. So we're trying to guide audiences to these movies. We're going to use podcasts and blogs and videos to do so. But I would just urge anybody that's interested in, in the social impact space to visit Cause Cinema, you might learn something about a movie you didn't know anything about. Excellent. Thank you so much Thank for you. being Thank here. For I will let you go. Where are you off to? I am off to help get the family ready for this crazy Christmas two days from now. Mm. Uh, what, what? It's Christmas? Yeah, yeah it's getting <laughs> close. Damn, I'm behind. It's getting close. And uh, yeah, we have a lot to do. We have big, big party on Sunday at the oh, house. Man. So we're gearing up and I have to finish my top ten countdown for the year the top 10 social impact movies of the year which will go oh, up awesome. in the next three or four days oh that's excellent .com. will you will you i will send, send it to you for sure me? yeah we're gonna Great. do a video and a podcast and just literally count these down and again for some of these movies that have an issue at their core we're mm. gonna tell people where they can go that's to awesome. stay involved and take action yeah. excellent thank you so much i kind of feel I feel like when I start a, mem a gym membership at the beginning of the year, like, oh, there's something that we can actually yeah. do. This is so great. But unlike the gym membership, I'm really hoping people actually do it, unlike my gym membership, I should I, yeah, say, because I, I, like... I, just, I just give money to gyms. Um, here you go. Oh, Here's some books. You. Thank, thank you. you so much, John. Drive safely. So we still have Alan here in his hostage situation <laughs> where I'm not letting him just leave right now. I think maybe because, Alan, you, you started as a client of mine two years mm -hmm. ago, and then I found out about your excellent work, and I've been so intrigued by it. Mm -hmm. um, uh, are there any other points that you'd like people to know? I mean, you're, you're a listener of this podcast, yeah. and you listen as a writer, but also as a change maker. Are there any other things that you'd like to impart uh, to, to everybody while you've got this opportunity? Yeah, I mean, two things I could think of. One is just the the power from a storytelling standpoint of breaking stereotypes. So here's an example. The YouTube is now full of testimonials, essentially, of people who watched Wonder Woman oh, yeah. and broke down crying. <laughs> and people yeah. who watched 
Black Panther. I know I'm, I'm on the superhero theme. No, you again, go for but, it. Trust me. So it's um, 80% of the people That's what I'm counting on. That's what I'm counting on. <laughs> but the, and the Black Panther, um, uh, the trailer for the Black Panther, which is coming out in February, similarly, people just lost their minds. And part of it is the power of these these breaking of stereotypes. So there, there are a couple scenes in Wonder Woman, for instance, where she like charges into this machine gun nest and she is playing a role that you just never see women in that role, right? She's not a sidekick. She's not a femme fatale. She's not a, you know, damsel in distress. She's the hero. Mm -hmm. And everybody else is giving her backup, right? Mm -hmm. Similarly, in this Black Panther trailer, you know, the film hasn't even come out yet. You see these images of Africa that you never see, right? Of the genius and beauty and technology of Africa and Africans. And it has, and again, you have an African hero in this film who is not, you know, it's not a caricature or a stereotype. And, you know, people are so excited about it that it has a buzz that, you know, if it were just another, you know, superhero movie, it would not have the same kind of power. And I, I think that that's some, really something important for your listeners and students to be thinking about is one real source of new ideas that we haven't seen on a big screen or small screen is some of these immigrant experiences, the experiences of people of color, the experiences of you know, transgender folks. Um, you know, they're, they're new in a different way. So that's one thought. The other is, uh, you know, what, what can we, it, it, from an industry standpoint, do? Uh, to change some of the negative dynamics that we found. And we found some similar trends in a, a report we did several years ago around um, depictions of black men and boys. So this was right after the killing of Trayvon Martin and the acquittal of, of George Zimmerman. And it you know, found that black men and boys are overly depicted as involved in crime and violence, as, as you know, mired in poverty. Uh, and you know, what we found is one key is more diverse hiring. Uh, you know, in, in writers' rooms as, as showrunners, but also just, you know, only 5% of writers are, are black. Uh, and, you know, the viewership is very diverse. Uh, and so it's, you know, and, and African-Americans are like, you know, 15% of the U.S. population. So, you know, something really concrete that we're recommending in the NFL of all places, one of their approaches to getting more diverse coaches and, and managers is that when they interview coaches, they will insist that there be at least one well-qualified candidate of color in the pool. They may not hire that person, and you know, and they frequently they don't hire that person, but they view it as a flawed recruiting process if there's not at least one well-qualified candidate of color. And I think that you know that would be a great practice for Hollywood to adopt. We're not going to, you know, go out and hire only people of color or even disproportionately. But in, given that talent is equally distributed again, across racial and ethnic groups and gender groups and gender, gender identity groups, there's something wrong with the system if you come back with a pool and it, you know, is highly homogeneous. So, you know, one really specific thing that people in the industry can do. And for, you know, everyday writers, most of whom do not have the power to change the whole system, you know, make one of the lenses on your writing from, you know, idea generation to completion. Am I telling a new story? Mm -hmm. Am I mired in old stereotypes and tropes? Or am, am I bringing something new and different? And, you know, hopefully positive, but it might be new and different and negative, but it's new. Uh, I think it's going to make for better storytelling. I think it's going to generate more revenue and it's going to make for a better country. Thank you so much. Great advice. We're going to stop it there because right. uh, I certainly have 
Nothing better than that to add. That's wonderful. Now, I'm, I am, however, staring at an awesome comic book called Helvetica Bold in front of me with this strong woman on it who just looks like she, wow, it looks like she could solve any problem. Yeah, for sure. Is this something that people can buy? The Helvetica so, Bold comic book? The Helvetica Bold comic book, and for your listeners, it's Helvetica with a K, ah. copyright. Uh, and um, <laughs> and it's actually free, but um, the digital version is most easy, is easiest for them to find. Okay. So if they go to our website, opportunityagenda.org, uh, or you know, really just Google Helvetica, Helvetica Bold comic book, they will find her. But there's also an animated film, mm -hmm. short film, uh, on YouTube, and there's actually a live action film of Helvetica. And uh, yeah, people, we went to New York Comic Con, people lost their minds. That's awesome. So you can find her for free, but if somebody wants the printed comic book, um, it's you know just postage and they can reach out to us at the Opportunity Agenda. And um, the Opportunity Agenda itself, mm -hmm. it's based in New York City, right? Yeah. And uh, are there volunteer opportunities? Are there giving mm -hmm. opportunities? How could people get involved in your organization just in general? Yes, well bless you for asking that. <laughs> yeah, so um, definitely giving opportunities. So right at the top of our website, there's a donate button. Um, for creatives and people who are writers and the like, you know, we hope you'll go to our website, get our, all of our materials are free, and get ideas about writing new stories. Uh, and, you know, also we're looking for allies. We will, you know, some of the research that we've done, we would be happy to come to uh, writers' rooms and other places to present it and talk about its implications. Not, you know, to tell writers how to write, but rather to tell them the implications of the story choices that they make. Uh, so they can, you know, reach out to us with, with any of that. Oh, that's really good stuff. That is good to know. Thank you. I hope everybody takes advantage of this. Yeah. And Alan, it's so nice to meet you in person. You too. I really, really value what, what you and John brought to this podcast. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks very much. So everybody, all right, remember, remember the theme song here. Get it out of your head and on the page, which means get off of Twitter and on the page. How about that? You know, write it instead of bitching about it. And then even better, make it if you can. Um, I want to remind everybody to go to onthepage.tv because if they would like to get it on the page, then uh, we've got a first draft class that's live here. It starts January 6th and runs through February 10th. Saturday is 1230 to 330. And you, you get your script from uh, premise into pages. We've also got a one-day business and pitch class here that I'm teaching with Lee Jessup, January 21st and a one-day TV class with Carol Kirshner, February 11th. So check out on the page.tv for the live classes. But for people who aren't here, remember there are also recorded classes you can, you can click on. They don't look that pretty, but they get the job done. Um, again, my wonderful technical prowess. Um, uh, so they're not the most polished things, but uh, the information is there. And... Um, and, uh, and I'm hoping, I'm hoping that we can bring Alan back sometime. Yeah. Like, that would be terrific. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And people can find us in addition to the website, opportunityagenda.org. Um, we're on Twitter. Oh, good. Uh, op Agenda, at Op Agenda. And um, my handle is at Opportunity One. Wonderful. Thank you again to Alan for being here. Thank you to, to John, uh, who isn't here anymore, but we thank him, you know, through the podcast airwaves. And thanks to all of you for listening. Have a good writing week.